Welcome to Hope Beyond the Badge, a podcast that brings awareness, inspiration, and conversation together for first responders, families, and others interested in mental well-being in first response. New episodes weekly with your hosts, Jay Bailey and Linda Kokoros. Jay is a father, a military veteran, worked in the fire service for 18 years, and carries a diagnosis of PTSD. Linda is a mom, a wife, a certified life coach for first responders, and a suicide loss survivor of a first responder. Let's talk about it. Welcome to another episode of Hope Beyond the Badge. Heather Littlefield is our guest today, and she has her own story to share about mental health struggle and first response where she found inspiration, and how she turned that into a more positive future. Heather, welcome, and thank you for taking the time to come in and talk with us. Uh, Heather, can you share with our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where do you live, and how long you've lived there? Sure. Um, Thank you for having me, first of all. My name is Heather. Um, I'm originally from Halifax. I live in Weymouth now. I moved here about one year ago. Um, so tell us, Heather, um, let me see, you're a paramedic, right? Yes, I am. So tell us a little bit about that. Like, how long have you been doing this job? Were you always a paramedic? Not always, no. Um, I actually grew up in the restaurant industry, and then when I was 18, I went to EMT school, and then quickly after, went into paramedic school. I've been a paramedic now for 13 years. I started my career um, as a paramedic at Fallon in Weymouth when I first got my license. I worked in Weymouth for about seven years, and then um, I went down to Fall River and worked as a paramedic for Fall River Fire Department for six years. And then just last year, I came back to Weymouth, and now I work for South Shore Health. Wow. So can I ask you? What made you want to get into this line of work? Um, I've always wanted to help people. I, I always wanted to work in the medical field doing something, but I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do in the medical field. I kind of tested out a couple different schools. At first I went to medical assistant program. Um, I just wasn't a huge fan of that. And then when I got into EMS, I just immediately loved it. I loved the on the go. You're in the truck. You're kind of not behind four walls. I have ADHD, so sitting still is not good for me. Yeah. So you started working in Weymouth first. Yes. And then you transferred out to Halifax. To Fall River. Oh, Fall River. Yes. Yeah, so you're originally from Halifax, right? Yes. Um, So you went to Fall River. Yes. Let's go there. Um, for a bit. How long did you work in Fall River? Six years. Six years. Tell me about what that was like being a paramedic in Fall River. At first, it was really good. Um, it was busy. I got a lot of experience out there. I did a lot of really cool things as a paramedic. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we had kind of a wide range of calls just because of the location. So we had our trauma, our crime, our, you know, uh, car accidents, medicals. We had everything down there. And it was incredibly busy, which was good. But then after a few years, it definitely started to take a toll on my mental health. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so we were working 24 hours, 24 hour shifts. Um, my truck was averaging 22 calls per shift. So 22 calls within 24 hours. And when you're doing that for, you know, days and weeks on end, you're exhausted, you're drained, you don't have time to kind of put yourself first or put your family first. And I think that that's what I struggled with the most at first when it started to affect me. Oh, when did you start noticing that, like, that you were struggling? Um, what, like, what were you experiencing? Like, symptoms? Were you, were you exhausted? Were you feeling down? Like, tell us a little bit, like, what you were experiencing going through that. Um, I did pretty well with it at first because I had, I had outlets, right? So you always want an outlet. So I would go and spend time with my family or I would go to the gym or... I would try to just get myself out and moving, even if I was, you know, exhausted from our shift. Mm -hmm. And then COVID hit. And when COVID hit, my family, my friends and I had, you know, made a mutual agreement that we wouldn't see each other at that time because of how scary it was at the time. Yeah. Um, and then when everything started to shut down, it's like all of my outlets that I just had to keep me going were taken away from me. So I couldn't see my family. I couldn't go to the gym. I couldn't do any of the things that were the things that I was doing for myself to kind of keep myself out of the symptoms of depression and trauma and all of that. Yeah. So your coping mechanisms were gone once COVID hit for you. Yep, straight yeah. from under my feet. <laughs> yeah. So how did you handle that? Like, what happened? Um, I needed something, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I remember coming home one day, and I was on TikTok, and I saw hot chocolate bombs. And I was like, oh, those look like they would be fun to make. So I tried making them. Put my music on, made them, and then I enjoyed it. I was like, oh, it's been a couple of hours, and... You know, I'm, I'm happy doing this. Yeah. So then I kind of turned a corner at that point in time, if you want to use those words. But I began baking. And then I went to cupcakes. And then I became kind of like a little obsessed with the science behind ingredients. So I started creating my own recipes for cupcakes and for cakes and that's kind of what I used to get out of my own hole, my depression. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, all that I can see is people from work at the time. So I would bring those treats to the hospital or to the fire stations. And everybody kept saying, you know, this is the best cupcake I've ever had. Or this is the best this I've ever had. And then so I worked even harder on it. And yeah. then I turned my depression into a positive, I guess we'll say, and started my own business with it. Yeah. So it sounds like a, you, 
you found an, another outlet, you were found finding another coping mechanism to be able to get through a uh, dark time, maybe for you. Absolutely. Was there any resources? Um, you know, did you ever consider like talking to anybody within your department? Had you talked about I'm feeling down about this, I'm struggling, you know, tired, overworked, whatever it is that you were going through, especially you know, during COVID, were were other people in your department talking about how it was a struggle for them too? Or did you feel uncomfortable talking about it? Um, it was definitely uncomfortable talking about it. Luckily, my best friend does work on the department, well, did work on the department with me. So I could talk to her. But, I mean, the stigma in mental health is, it's it's hard to talk about in the field because, you know, you're made out to look like, a wuss or that you can't handle your emotions or any of these things. So you kind of don't talk about it because you're afraid of, you know, getting made fun of. Or I had a boss once, we were trying to put together something for coworkers and I had a boss once say it's nothing that a bottle of whiskey and a pack of cigarettes can't help Mm -hmm. because that's Mm -hmm. the old school mentality on mental health. Because mm-hmm. back then they didn't have the peer support. They didn't have any of the programs that are starting to become in place now. Yeah. How did it make you feel when, when that was said to you? I j- shut down. Mm. Completely shut down. Shut off from it. Yeah. Because so. if, if you're going to put yourself out there, you need you need to have support behind that. Yeah. You know? So and with that being said to you, it was like, well, why even bother? I'm not going to get the help here. Right. Yeah. And li- my coworkers were very, very good. We would kind of talk amongst ourselves. But that was really, that's really what we got Yeah. from there. So you were just able to unload to each other, which was a blessing. Right. In in itself, right, to be able to unload to your coworkers, but as far as like your administration, right, right. or your higher ups or your supervisor, wherever you might call them, um, you know, that's nothing that a bottle of whiskey or a pack of cigarettes can do. Is not really what you needed to hear, because right. um, basically it's just saying, yeah, wallow and in l- your own misery, basically. Right, and we did have uh, we did have a couple of supervisors that were supportive but supportive individually and I guess that that's good because it's an improvement but you need it to be supported as a whole if yeah. that makes sense yeah now you said sorry you said um that when you were working in Fall River that there was a lot it sounds like like overworked 22 calls in a 24 hour that's like it's, def- it's going constantly all the time. Oh yeah. Was it times that you you know had bad calls like trauma? Oh yeah, all the time. Um, I th- I think one of the hardest things like during COVID in particular was um, a lot of people were saying you know that COVID is killing people, right? Yeah. And I can't even tell you how many suicide calls I went to during COVID. And it's such like a mind game at the time because 
everybody's isolating so that they don't get sick, but then they're becoming depressed yeah. and committing suicide. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like which one's the worst evil. Yeah. And I think that that was like a really hard um, mental space to get out of. I yeah. think so too. And when you first started talking about COVID, uh, you talked about losing some coping mechanisms as, as a result of the changes that, that I think we all experienced. And it sounds like you lost coping mechanisms going into COVID and also encountered maybe a more traumatic I- environment and uh, an increase in, in response to, to suicide calls. With that said, I wonder if you saw a slow change in your perspective like when you lost your coping mechanisms, did you see your perspective begin to change or was it was it a certain call? You don't have to go into the call if you don't want to, but was it a slow change in perspective or was it um, was it a more acute this one call really really uh, took me you know somewhere else? Honestly, I've thought about that quite a bit actually because w- once I got into kind of like that mindset, I was like, okay, well, where where did this stem from? You know what I mean? And then going back and trying to figure out, was it one call? But I don't think that it was. I think that ultimately it was the accumulation of all of the calls because it was like every single shift, it was something. You know, it was a bad car accident one day and then the next day a suicide and then the next day a cardiac arrest due to like a medical condition. And it was just the accumulation of so much trauma in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And then if, if depression's, you know, right there and then the coping mechanisms are, are lost, that's, you know, that's something that we, we have to deal with in, the, in, in that line of work that every first responder um, has to find a healthy way to overcome, I think. Right. And it sounds like you did with baking. I did, yes. And the thing is, is like, it doesn't matter how you feel one day to the next. The next day, you still have to wake up and go back and do it again. Yeah. So, and it got to the point where it was like, okay, well, what is it going to be today? You know? And I, I didn't like that feeling because when I started in EMS, it's all that I wanted to do. Yeah. I was excited about it. I loved it. I love being able to help people. And then it just, when it gets to that point where it's like, okay, well, what today? Well, it was yeah. weighing heavy on you. Yeah, sounds like absolutely. Yeah, so it also sounds like as if you weren't looking forward to going into to do to take on your day right. at work, right? Um, because as you said, what's what's it going to be today? Right. So, did you did you end up leaving like transferring out of um, Fall River, come to Weymouth because it was so tough there with all those calls? It was too heavy on you or on your own mental health? Too? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Um, I, so you're already self-isolated, right? Because yeah. of COVID. And then things start to open back up. But you already have this mindset that you need to work, 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 work. Yeah. And you don't have time for anything else. So when everything started to open back up, it was like, I'd go see my family maybe, I don't know, once a month. Yeah. Firstly, because... I was working so much yeah. or I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. And secondly, because I know that they're going to be able to see the signs. I know that they're going to be able to see what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want that to happen. I didn't want my family to 
know exactly how I was feeling about it. And I remember I'd gone, I am, ex- I mean, before this, I would be at my family's at least once or twice a week. Why, why didn't you want your family to know what you were going through? Um, I don't know. Kind of just almost a little bit of like embarrassment. Okay. In a way. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, my sister-in-law is a therapist too, so she's going to see it immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, I remember I'd gone over to my brother and my sister-in-law's house and they have my niece and my nephew, which again, we're extremely close. I have a very small family. And when I went to go leave, my brother said, okay, like, see you next month. And I was like, and it hit me, and I was like, shoot. Like, it's really been that long since I've been here, mm-hmm. and that's not how it always was. And it's not how I wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, and so I had made that we had uh, um, kind of like a little bit of a tragic death in my family. Um just before Thanksgiving of not this past year, but the year before. <clears throat> and it made me really realize how short life is. Yeah. And if I'm self-isolating and not spending time with my family and, you know, to lose somebody that was so close to us in an instant almost, it made me realize that I'm doing it wrong. I'm doing life wrong. And so I had hosted Thanksgiving dinner and when we were eating dinner, I had announced that I put my two weeks in and far ever. And everybody was like, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So they knew? Yes. They, they knew, but they were waiting for you to to say it to them? Yeah. Wow. So, um, yeah, so I wanted, I wanted to, I, obviously when I had started my business down there, it didn't, it didn't go too far, right? Because I was I was too busy. It yeah. was more just practicing. It was more just doing it for fun, whatever it might be. And an outlet. And an you? outlet, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so I really wanted to take that to the next level. I realized how passionate I, I was about it. My family wanted to be involved in it. They wanted to help. They wanted to see it through. They were incredibly supportive of my decision. Um, so I wanted to I wanted to move back. I wanted to move back to where my family is. I mean, they all still live between Bridgewater and Halifax. So I I quit Fall River. Mm-hmm. I got the job. At, I took some time off. I took about three and a half months off and then started at South Shore Health, which I've been at for a little over a year now. And um, I was able to, now I have the time to put into my business and yeah. my family's right behind me during it and I see them all the time now and, yeah, so you start. To, it sounds like you have a little bit more balance in your life. Oh, absolutely! And I can see, I can see it in your absolutely. smile right across the table from me. So, tell us about this business now. I mean, you started off doing cupcakes and chocolate bombs and well, hot chocolate bombs or wherever they are. <laughs> um, so, what is that? What has it gotten into? What have you grown into? What has it developed? What's what's gone from there? Um. Everything. Um, so tell us the name of the business. Do you have a name for the business? I do. It's called Frontline Cafe and Bakery. Yeah. So it has the red, white, and blue theme to it to kind of gear towards first responders. Yeah, um, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to keep that part. So if there comes a day when that is my 
full-time gig and, you know, I do get out of EMS, I want that to still be part of who I am yeah, and part of what I'm doing. Um, so now it is, I specialize in custom cakes, cupcakes, and special event dessert tables. So I do pretty much chocolate-covered everything, cakes, I mean, elegant, fancy, funny, whatever people want. I am... I love being creative with them, so some of the designs that I've come up with are pretty impressive. <laughs> so where where is do you have a retail outlet or do you have um where where do you where can people connect with you? Where do you, do you have a retail store like storefront or do you bake and do it all online? How do you do it? Um, so I don't have a storefront yet. Um, I sell everything out of my house, but I rent a commercial kitchen in Kingston and I do all of my baking there. So I'm licensed, I'm permitted, and insured through them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I sell everything out of my house. So I do everything through Facebook, Instagram, and um, I'm looking forward to this year because I'm going to be a part of a lot of um, vendor fairs and farmer's markets. So just to kind of get it out there a little bit more. Yeah. So you do specialty cakes too? I do. Like wedding cakes and stuff? I'm starting to, yes. Starting Mm -hmm. to. So like tiered cakes? Yes. Yeah, well, so... Can I share a little bit? Yeah, so, um, absolutely. So we had an event at the house um, not so long ago in March, right, where we launched the, the memorial, the Alex Duke, of course, Memorial Fund, and uh, we were talking about hope, um, blankets, and all that type of stuff. And I was busy getting stuff ready for food and s- people coming over to the house, and like, I don't have time. Of course, I'm quite capable of making a cake. Um but I knew of Heather um, True, she's a first responder and does come into the cafe uh, quite often when she's on her shift in, in Weymouth. And so I approached Heather and said, Heather, does anyone that I'm going to trust or she's going to get it, it would be her um, because she's a first responder. And as soon as I talked to her, excuse me, um, as soon as I talked to her about my ideas about what I wanted it to be, she was like, I'm on it. And um, I'm on it. So if you go on to the Alex Duke, of course, Memorial Fund page, it's on there, or Frontline Bakery. I'm sure you have pictures of it on there. And um, But she did a two-tier cake um, with all her own recipes, with different fillings inside. Totally, I said, just go with it, fly with it. As soon as we started connected about what we wanted on it, um, for the theme, um, all about first responders, um, and she did it, and it was absolutely amazing. I mean, it was, it made such an impact um, that evening um, to sort of sh- showcase it and you to tell your story um, there in front of a lot of people that you didn't know. Um, but also, the cake made such a, an impact that evening. It was Alex's birthday. It was not a birthday cake. It was a cake to launch the Memorial Fund in honour of Alex, but to launch the whole thing that night. And uh, I really appreciate you doing that for us. It's such a notice, too. Um, but she took it on. Yeah. So I look forward to having you bake more cakes for me, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Did you want to add anything else in there? Well, I, I, I'm just sitting here thinking that... Um, that 
I think that when people are, are experiencing uh, depression or difficult times or they're stuck in struggle and they can find a distraction from that, uh, you know, that's, that's usually to their benefit. And when they can find uh, joy in that, it, it's even better. And, and when they find purpose in, in that activity that distracts them from, from difficult times, uh, that, that's when it can be transformative. And um, I, I got to, I was present when that cake was brought out and it was incredible and, mm. and not just, um, you know, not just a, as a cake, but in terms of, of symbolism, the thought and the detail that went into it, I was, I was just so impressed. And I, I remember, uh, you know, thinking that, that it must be an activity that, that you, you have a lot of purpose. You get a lot, you get a lot out of it. Can I just add to go get back to EMS? You're, you're at South Shore Health now. Yes. Right. How how is it working there? Is that a different environment for you um, compared to working in Fall River? Like, share with us a little bit about that as far as support, um, your workload, all of that type of stuff. <coughs> um, yeah, absolutely. It is, it's completely different. It's different than anywhere that I've ever worked, even different than Fallon. Um, where it's hospital-based, I feel as though you have a lot more support than a regular department would have because um, you have the nurses, you have the doctors, you have co-worker, co-workers, paramedics, mm -hmm. um, our bosses, obviously, and everyone's just so together in everything. Um, when I... When I took time off before I started in Weymouth again, my biggest thing was I didn't want to do 911 anymore. That was, I had done it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I was exhausted from it. And so South Shore has the transfer truck. So that's that was my request when I started there. And it's amazing. We take patients from... South Shore Hospital and bring them into Boston, whether it's critical patients or stable patients. We kind of have a little mix of everything. Um, and we do do 911 as well when, you know, all the other trucks are out. But everyone there is just, it's a team. It is. Everyone's together. Difference. Yes. Mm. Our supervisors, if we, you know, if there is a call that could potentially be traumatic, the supervisors are right there. The doctors are right there. I mean, just look at um, what happened at Derby Street. Yeah. I mean, the response after that, I personally d did not go that day, um, but the response after that was incredible. It's something that I've never seen from a department before. Everyone got stuck in, right? Right, right. Yeah. And even the doctors were pulling people aside. The Our supervisors were pulling people aside. They did call in a team. They had multiple meetings afterwards about it. We've had um, rounds about it afterwards, medical rounds, which, you know, kind of just go over the case. And because I think talking about calls, like when you talk about it afterwards, you start to know that you did everything that you're supposed to or did everything that you could. Mm -hmm. Rather than just sitting at home being like, oh, shoot, I should have done this or I could have done that or we could have done this. And so when you talk about those things, you realize that those things were done, yeah. you know, rather than second guessing or 
thinking too far into it. Well, that has to feel good, um, right. knowing that you're supported. Right. Um, and knowing that if you do need uh, resources, that it's there for you. Right. Um, so you're very lucky. I think you fell into the right place as where you where you moved to. Absolutely. Um, be able to get there. Right. And you're not you're, you're definitely not overworked either. So oh, good. It's glad to hear it's that. a good steady pace. It's busy enough where the day goes by. You yeah. know, some days are busier than others. Obviously, that's any yeah. anywhere. But at the end of the day, I leave there with a smile on my face, and I go in with a smile on my face. Good for you. And I haven't been able to say that for a while. Oh, that I love to hear that. <laughs> right? Love to hear that. I mean, going starting off where you were in Fall River, you. You know, you got to a stage you weren't looking forward to going into work every day. That had to be really, really hard. And then now here you are in a space, a really good space, mental space, right? Um, to be able to say, you know, I go home with a smile on my face every right. day, knowing that I, I've done everything I, I, I could during right. the day to the best of my ability. Right. And then be able to look forward to going to work the next day. Right. And knowing that you have all the resources available to you. Right. I remember being at work one day and it was probably, I think I started South Shore last, like late February. And probably like one day in March, I was working with one of my coworkers and we were going to a call and I just looked at her and I was like, I like being a paramedic again. Uh, like, I haven't said that in a long, like I enjoy this, you know. Oh, uh, that's, that. <laughs> I'm getting a good feeling here sitting across <laughs> from you when you say that. Um, there's nothing more rewarding than um, the joy of doing what you're doing right. every day. And uh, that alone in itself gets you through a tough day or a bad call, because you are going to have them, right? right? But uh, it gets you through that, that tough time. Right. And, uh, and be able to lean into what your coping mechanisms are. Right. Um, whenever they're right. whenever and they rise. Right. And I remember one time we had a really critical call and I remember getting back and it was a transfer. It was from South Shore into probably Brigham. Um, and we had gotten back and our supervisor had pizza and they're like, all right, let's chat. And we're like, wow. <laughs> you know? Excellent. I loved it. Oh, I loved that. All the paramedics all come into Mar Riley. So we love when they all we love the w- when they all come in and get their coffee and the whole thing. But I love to hear that side right. of it that we don't hear, right? Right. On a normal person wouldn't hear all of that. And it's great that you're sharing the positive part of it, um, which is what we wanna we wanna do, right? You wanna say anything? Well, I guess I'm wondering if, if you would have advice to anybody that was going through uh, similar circumstances. It sounds like you, you experienced a difficult, a difficult time, as, and it was related to you know, call volume, call type, and, and a number of other things, but, but certainly it sounds like those were factors. Um, if, somebody, if somebody working in first response was, uh, was also going through a time like that, what, what advice would, might you have for them? I would just say to reach out. I mean, don't be embarrassed about it. Reach out to anyone, family, friends, peer support programs. Mm. Um, I think that it's definitely best to talk to people who have also been through it. I know that we had this conversation earlier, but being able to speak freely about calls or whatever it is that's going on, you feel more comfortable and 
it's easier to talk to somebody who's been through it. Yeah. That that really understands exactly what it is that you're going through. And also just don't don't be ashamed about it. It's yeah. it's real life. I mean, we have the suicides from first responders all the time. And you don't wanna keep it hidden and then get so far into that hole that you can't get out of it. Yeah. Well said. I agree. Absolutely. So I think today that was a great conversation heather and thank you so much for coming in um to us and sharing you know the struggles that you went through um while on the job and then also i'm so happy to hear that you're doing well today and your business is doing well and again it's frontline bakery and you can check her out on facebook she does some great stuff do you take orders too i do yeah, so she takes orders, so get in there, folks, for any special occasions. <laughs> um, and, you know, the positive note at the end that, you, you know, you said is talk. Right. Talk about what you're going through. Don't be ashamed. Um, that's what I heard from what you just said right. there. And recognize the signs. Recognize the signs. I think that's the biggest thing. I feel like I don't think that I recognized it until I was already in it. Mm. You know, the scythe. So, wow, the self-isolation, the, you know, avoidance of people, like, oh, I don't want to see them because they're going to know that I'm sad or that I'm, I'm feeling some type of way. And, like, feeling that type of way is fine. Mm-hmm. Like, just, just feel it. Yeah. <laughs> Let people see it. Yeah. Let people say something to you. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's only going to improve yourself. Yeah. It sounds like you were, you know, initially probably feeling bad because of the way you were feeling. And you didn't right. want people to, to notice the right. change in, right. in you, right? It's kind of like that badassery. Like, y- y- you're supposed to be badass. You're supposed to be able to go through all these things and have it not affect you. So they say. Yeah. Like, but it's okay to not be a badass sometimes. And it's okay to not be okay. Exactly. Right? It's not okay to stay there. Right. So talk. Right. Heather, thank you for coming in today. We really appreciate you taking the time um, away from the bakery and your day off, whatever it might be, to come in and share um, your experiences with our listeners. Um, it's so important for us all to open up right. and share um, that mental health is um, so important. Our mental well-being is very important. And the only way that we're going to be able to break that stigma or stop the stigma is by talking about it openly. So um, I really appreciate um, you coming in today and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah, I just want to echo uh, what Linda said. We really appreciate you coming in and speaking with us today. These, These are difficult conversations to have, and I think that's why they're often avoided. But uh, I think that they're also very valuable conversations, and that's why we intend to keep talking. So thank you, Heather. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Till next time. (laughs) Till next time. (laughs)